Well, today is a, of course, it is um, 9-11, and of course, many of you remember 15 years ago, 15 years ago today. I, I was, uh, I, of course, I, I remember very well where I was, as I'm sure that most of you do as well. I was in Kershaw County. I was uh, speaking at a, at a meeting with a group of guys, at a, a group of preachers, actually, and I was making a pitch about Village Church. We're getting ready to start Village Church. I'd come in, and the first, uh, they had the television on because there was a plane that had flown into a tower. And at the time, nobody knew what was going on. It was the news was on. And so I came in and spoke, and the, the TV was up behind me. And the, pl- the second plane came in and hit the other tower. And at that point, it was just, that was not a good time for a meeting. And so we just sat down, and we watched what was going on, and it was absolutely, it was surreal. It was just a weird experience, as it was for all of you as well, as we saw what was happening. Now, you know, here's what I, here's, uh, to me, that, that day, that November, or excuse me, September 11th, 2001, that was a day when America became different. I mean, pre-9-11, it was a different, it's a different country. Post-9-11, it is a totally different world now. There's a lot of different things that have changed, and I know that since that time, it's just been interesting how we were, you know, we all came together, but as time kind of passes by, you begin to drift, you begin to forget, and, uh, and then it's just, it's one of those things where it's just like, it doesn't have that, doesn't care with, carry with it the, the gravity that it once did. But I remember as I was going through that meeting and then that happened, I, I began to realize as we were talking about beginning a new work, beginning a new church, I was like, that is a reason why we need the church. Now, that is a reason why things need to be different. And so I began to realize that if, if culture is going to change, and there's no doubt that culture is changing right now, But if culture is going to change in a way for the better, then it's going to come down to the church. And come down to the church actually engaging culture and not hiding from it. And so that's why we we put out some brochures around you, C4. And uh, in C4, what that is all about for us is it's a new series for us. But, but we began to look as a staff, and we began to examine some things, saying, how in the world can we as a church engage the culture in which we are living and make a difference? And, and it came down to, to four basic things for us. What we believe God is calling us as believers, what God is calling us as a church to do, so that we can impact culture and be, in a, be a light in a very dark world. And so those four areas where we believe God is calling our church to minister and to make a difference is in our community, on our campuses, in our care ministries, and then also through the civic process. Now we're going to talk about each one of those different areas over the next couple of months, but today what I wanted us to do is just sort of do an overview and say what what exactly is C4? What, What is that all about? And and what I discovered is as I looked into Scripture, and Scripture we're going to be looking at today, we're going to see that Jesus was talking to his disciples about something that was very similar. Jesus talked to his disciples about engaging culture. Not hiding from it, but actually engaging culture to where they would make a difference and change the world. 
That's a message Jesus shared a couple thousand years ago. But it's a message that still applies for us today. And God still has the same calling upon his people and upon the church to make a difference in the world in which we are living. Now there are some times when I, I step back and I ask the question, is, are, are we making a difference? You know, is, is, is our community a better place because Village Church is here? Now I'm biased, but I, I'm also accurate, and I would say this, we, we are. We, we make a difference. Now, if we're going to continue to make a difference, though, there are some things that we need to do in order to stay on that track. And so that's why today we're going to look in John chapter 15. And so if you have your Bible, you can turn there. But John chapter 15, and we're going to look in a few moments at verse number 5. Now, what was going on in John 15, verse number 5, is Jesus was talking to his disciples about engaging culture about making a difference where they live so that they could make an impact. And the principles he shares with them are, are principles that still apply to us today. And Jesus gave a very simple example. He said, listen, it's a, he gave the example of a vineyard, and he talks about how a vineyard can make a difference. And he said, there's some principles. If you're going to have a healthy, successful vineyard, there are some principles that you need to apply. Okay, now we don't, we're not talking about a vineyard today, but we're talking about us. Same principles apply to us. If we're going to be healthy as a church, as believers, if we're going to make a difference, the principles Jesus gives today in our text are principles that, that matter to us today. So, so what are the principles that Jesus gives us to follow to engage culture? Here's the very first principle I see, and that is the principle of relationship. And this is seen, and this is, for me, it's very easy to see in verse number five, where Jesus said this. Jesus said, I am the vine, and he said, and you are the branches. The one who remains in me, and I in him, produces much fruit, because you can do nothing without me. Now, if you go back to the very beginning of verse number five, Jesus said, he said, I am the vine, and he says, those who are his followers, he says, you are the what? You're the branches. Now that simple statement uh, it's, it points out something very easy to me. It, it's pointing out a principle of relationship. There is a definite relationship between a vine and its branches. Now a vine is important to the branches that are on it for a very simple reason. The vine gives life. Right? If, if, if a branch is going to survive, it has to be attached to the vine. If a, if a vine, or excuse me, if a branch is going to produce anything, it's got to make sure that it's attached to the vine. And the same thing is true spiritually, and that's what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is telling his followers, he's telling you, he's telling our church, if we're going to engage culture, if we're going to make a difference, if we're going to impact the lives of people, he said, then first of all, the very first thing, is you better make sure that you are attached to me. That's why he said, I am the vine and you are the branches. In, in John chapter 8, it says, Then Jesus spoke to them again. He said, I'm the light of the world. He says, Anyone who follows me will never again walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So it's important for us to be connected to Jesus because he gives life. Now, if our church is going to impact culture, when I talk about the church, when I'm talking about the building, I'm talking about you. 
I'm talking about individuals, those of us who follow Jesus. If we're going to engage culture, it begins with this, that we are connected to Christ. That we follow him, that we are engaged with him, because if we are not connected to him, then we have no life. If you go back to verse number 1 in John 15, Jesus said, I am the true vine. That word true, it means the original. It means like the only. Now there's a lot of stuff out there that is, you know, that, that's counterfeit, that offers life, but it really doesn't give it. And so a lot of times we connect ourselves to a lot of different things that we think are going to bring joy to us, that we think are going to be sustaining to us, and what we find out is they don't last very long. But Jesus says, he says, you connect to me, he says, I'm going to give you life. And I don't just give it for a little while. He says, I give it for all time. He said, I'm the vine. He said, you are the branches. So if we're going to make a difference in our culture, we have to start off here. It begins here. We must follow and be connected to Jesus, not culture, but to Jesus above all else. Jesus said in Matthew 6, he said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Now, in light of that, here's a very simple question for all of us. How are you connected to Jesus, or are you connected to Jesus? Who leads you? When you make decisions, when you determine how you're going to act, how you're going to live, who, who gives you that information about what you're going to do? Now, some will say, I, I give that information to myself. I do what I want to do. I live in order to please myself. I'm in charge. Now, Jesus tells us, he said in the life, he says, really, it comes down to this. There's really just two roads that you can travel down. It's in Matthew 7, 13. It says two roads. So there's a broad road and there's a narrow road. Now, you get to choose how you're going to live your life. God doesn't force us to choose his way. He says, you get to choose. He says, but if you're going to choose, you need to know that there are consequences with the choices you make. You travel down the broad road, Jesus says, hey, it's a lot of fun, it's going to be enjoyable for a while, but the end of that road is death. He said, my road, because it's a little tighter, a little more narrow, he said, but my road ends up leading to life. So we have choices. What road are you going to choose? Now, just, uh, just for a little bit of, you know, hopefully encouragement for you to, to consider and to choose Jesus' road, L let me tell you a little bit about the road that God has in mind for us and the, his thought process. What we learn is his thought process is a little bit bigger than ours. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So the question becomes for us, will I follow the one who sees the big picture, or will I follow myself who's only able to see what's right in front of me? Now, I think the obvious answer is it's always better to follow after one who's able to see things from a different and a bigger perspective than I do. Now, I can give you an example of this. On on uh, one of my favorite apps that I have on my phone, some, I, somebody from church told me about it. It's the Waze app. Y'all know that app? Okay, it's a map app. I've got my phone right here, so it's great. I'm not good with directions. 
And so uh, I just type it in, and the Waze app's different than just a regular map app. You know, it gives you directions about how to get someplace, tells you how many minutes that it's going to take you to get there, which is sort of like a game to me, because if I beat the minutes, then I win. Okay, so, but it's fun. And so you, you get on there and you look. But the thing I like about this, this Waze app is that it tells you what's in front of you. It lets you know, hey, there's a lot of traffic ahead of you. Uh, it'll tell you there's a car disabled on the right side of the road, like 0.3 miles down the road. And, but here's one that's also good. It'll even tell you if there's potholes in the road. Isn't that great? Especially since we live here. Have y'all noticed that we are the pothole capital of the world? How many of y'all would just like to blow up Killian Bridge? Oh, my gosh. Anyway, so, uh, so it's a, but they, it, it's a great app. Now, the thing I like about it is that because it gives me, like, warnings of what's ahead, then I can make plans accordingly. Now, that is exactly what God's word is and God's direction for our lives. are. This is like the Waze app. God says, you're traveling down this road, but there's potholes ahead. And if you continue on this road, you're, you're, your life, your car is going to be disabled. And so he gives us direction for how to live. Now, that's why I love Jeremiah 33.3. God told us, said, call to me. He said, call out to me. And he says, and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. But that's only going to happen when we connect and place our hope and our faith in Jesus. So if we're going to, guys, if, if our church is going to engage community, we have to engage Jesus first. Because he is the one who lays out the map for us in how we live and the choices that we are to make. So I see some principles here to help us engage our culture. It's First of all, there's the principle of relationship. But then here's the second principle, and that's the principle of production. He says, now you have a relationship with me, and there's no doubt that if we're going to engage culture, it begins with us personally connecting with Jesus, following him, and trusting our lives to him. And when we do that, there's something that happens. We begin to produce. And that's what verses 5 and 6 point out. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He said, the one who remains in me and I in him Notice what it says. He will produce much fruit because you can do nothing without me. He says, if anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. And they gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. They might say, well, how can I know if I'm really connected to Jesus? How can I know that I am like a branch that is plugged into the vine? It's real simple. You can tell by what you produce in your life. You know, how can you know a tree is an apple tree? Kirk Thurston got it right. It's going to make apples, right? It's going to have apples hanging off. How can you know a, a vine is a, is a tomato vine? It's going to have tomatoes on it. How can you know a person is a follower of Jesus? Now, that one seems strange. Like, well, I don't see anybody walking around with fruit hanging off of them. I mean, that'd be, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? Y'all, that guy's a Christian. Look, he's got a big apple hanging off of his arm. And it's not the way that it works. But you do, by what you have in your life, by the way that you live and the way that you act, there are things where you look and say, oh, he's, that guy's a follower of Jesus. You can tell by the way that he lives, by his actions in his life. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 7, 20, by their fruit, you will recognize them. 
So, so what are some identifying marks of a person or a church that is connected to Jesus? Galatians 5, 22 and 23 is a start. It says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It says, against such things there is no law. So you look, so are, are these things being produced in my life? Are, are these things that when people look at me, they see these things happening in my life? Okay, that, that is a, a sign that you belong to God. Here's another one. That you are going to look into God's word and see what Jesus says, what he commands, and you're going to follow it. Jesus said in John 14, 15, he said, If you love me, you will obey what I command. Doesn't say, hey, I'm going to pick and choose what parts of Scripture that I think that are applicable and the other parts I don't like, I'm not going to do it. It says that you, if, you, if you belong to God, that you're going to look at the commands that God gives in His Word, and you're going to follow them. Obedience is a sign that you belong to Jesus. So the question for us is, are, are we doing that? Are we producing this kind of fruit in our lives? Uh, Jesus says this as well. You will also produce disciples. The last thing Jesus told his followers, he said, I'm leaving now, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to make disciples, to make followers of Jesus. Okay, so I see these things. The Bible says that if we follow him, he says that we are going to produce his fruit. Does Village Church do that? And I look over the last 14 years, and let me, let me tell you what I've seen. I've seen, and I'm not, you know, this is truthful, I've seen hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people become followers of Jesus through people like you. I look over into our student ministry and our children's ministry, and I see that every week they are being taught the things of God, how to live, what God's Word says. And I look at that and I think, man, we've got hope for a future. I look at some of the men and women in our church and what they do, and I see every year we have people who take their vacation and say, you know what we're going to do this year for vacation? We're going to go to Haiti. And I'm thinking, man, there's better places. The people, they go to Haiti, and they go down there, and they build homes for people that, that don't have anything. And, and, we, and, and our church, we, we give money in order to educate people in a place where there's over 80% unemployment. I look at our V group ministry. And I, and I see people that are in those V group ministries, and I've seen marriages that have been broken and destroyed, and I've seen that through the ministry and through people praying for them, those marriages have been restored and healed. Now, do we produce fruit? And I say, absolutely. But let me say this. I believe God is calling Village Church, you, to more. I really believe that. Y'all, as, as we are living in a very dark world, and I, I'm Mr. Negative Guy, it is black, dark, culturally, in our country today. But here's the good news. The darker it is, the brighter the light that you will shine. And how are we going to shine that light? Let's see four. We're going to do it in ministering in our community in our campuses, in our care ministries, and through the civic process in our church. Now, 
Now, through the next several, or ne- actually the next couple of months, we're going to address each one of those issues. Just giving an overview today. But you might look at that and say, I feel like that withered branch that Jesus was talking about that's fallen off of the tree. I don't think I can do a whole lot. Well, let me share with you some good news. Did you know that in horticulture, there's something that is known as grafting? That you can take a branch that is broken and you can graft it back into the vine. And whenever that happens, when you graft it back into the vine, then that vine, it begins to send its nourishment through that branch and it begins to give it life. And before long, it will then begin to produce fruit. That's why Jesus says, Jesus says, you're not attached to me, you're a dead, withered branch anyway. Verse 5 says, apart from me, you can do nothing. But Village Church, when we are connected to Jesus and whenever we submit ourselves to his leadership and we ask him for forgiveness, then God begins to work through our dead spiritual lives and he will give us life and we will make an impact in our community. And so my hope is that you will join with me and make a decision. We are going to see change in our culture not because of my personal thoughts, not because of who I am, but because I am going to be open to allow God to work through me. And guys, when God works through you, lives will be transformed because our God's powerful. So how are we going to engage culture? It begins with principle. There's a principle of relationship. It begins with Jesus. But when you connect to Jesus, you're going to produce. It's a principle of production. And then this is the last thing. If we're going to engage culture, it takes a principle of purpose. There's, there's a purpose for us being here. Uh, verses 7 and 8, last two verses I'll read. Jesus said, if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and then prove to be my disciples. Now, one of the great things about having purpose is it gives you direction, right? I mean, I I like that. Having purpose gives you direction. It's like when I get in a car, I don't ever get in a car and say, I'm just going to go drive around, have no idea where I'm going. I don't like to do that. If I'm getting in a car, I like to know I'm going somewhere. I don't like to drive anyway. Now, I don't like to drive long distances, so if I'm going somewhere, I want to know I'm going to a specific place. Okay, I like that. Now, now, that's what I like about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. There is purpose behind it. And yet what I'm afraid has happened to a lot of us and, and to a lot of churches in general is we've forgotten what our purpose is. So what is the purpose of being a believer? What is the purpose of the church? And because many of us have forgotten what that purpose is, we think, well, it, it's to be nice people. I'm not saying, there's, we are to be nice. There's nothing wrong with being nice. You know, it's to be hospitable. I agree. We need to be hospitable. There's nothing worse than coming into a place and everybody looks like they've been sucking on persimmon juice. Yeah, but we ought to be happy. But that is not the purpose of the church. You know what our purpose is? To make disciples. Bottom line. That is the purpose of the church. And let me tell you something. Whenever we are connected to Jesus and we follow him, that is what's going to happen. 
2 Corinthians 5.20 says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. Our purpose is to be a vessel for God to work through so that the light and power of Jesus will shine through us and touch and change this community. That's what we're here for. We're not just a club. You know, we don't just come here in order to feel good and then leave here and then nothing changes. We are here for God to work through us so that we will make disciples. How are we going to do it? Four ways. In this church, we're going to do it in our community. We're going to do it through our campuses, our care ministry, and we do it through civics. All right, so we're going to do that. You might say, well, why do I want to do this? Why would we want to do this? I'll try to explain it like this. There was a famous violinist named uh, Franz Kriesler, a world-class violinist. He never had much money because he would only spend it. But he found a, a violin that he really wanted to have, and he tried to buy it. He didn't have enough money to buy it, and the guy said, I'm not going to sell it to you. And so he said, well, since I can't buy it, would you mind if I just played it one time before I left? before I leave and he said the guy said sure and so he sat down with the violin and he began to play it world-class violinist as he began to play it the guy who owned it was moved because of the beauty of the music and he had tears in his eyes and he looked at Kriesler he said just take it he said that violin needs to be heard by the world and they're not going to hear it if I have it but if you have it they'll hear it church that's us we have the message of jesus and the world needs to hear it and you and i need to play it we have the message we have the message of forgiveness we have the message of hope we have the message of eternal life we have the message of redemption we have the message of people who are broken who can be restored by the power of god we have the message. And as a church, we've not been called to be spectators. We've called to engage. And that's why over the next couple of months, we're going to talk about how, as a church, we are going to engage our culture. Because let me tell you something, there needs to be more Jesus in the culture in which we live. You think God hasn't called us to hide. He hasn't called for us to say, hey, my faith is just to be private. He says, you are to live your faith. And you are to engage culture. And if we're going to do it, there's some principles to follow. Principle of relationship, it all begins with Jesus. You connect with Jesus, then there's going to be the principle of production. There's going to be fruit that comes from us living for Jesus. And there's a principle of purpose. And we have a game plan to follow. We are called to make disciples. Okay, so in saying all that, let me close with this. My challenge for you over the next couple of months is that you will join with me in saying that we are going to be a people and we are going to be a church that will engage culture. Because we want the world to be different. We want the world to know Jesus. And I believe this. I believe as we do that, as we make a commitment to do that, our church will make a greater impact than we ever dreamed that we could. So next couple months, what are we going to do? We're going to talk about the four C's. 
As we talk about those four C's, the goal is that we're, each of us, that we're going to pick a C and say, that's going to be mine. That's where I'm going to plug in. That's how I'm going to serve. That's how I'm going to engage culture. And I believe as we do that, we are going to see the greatest days, the greatest impact that we've ever seen, than we've ever seen before. And so I'm excited about it. You are here for a reason. You're here on purpose. This church is here on purpose. And it's here during this time for a reason. Because we're to be a light. And there is a light that is needed. And that light is Jesus. And you and I get to share it.